What is good, my peoples? Welcome to another edition of the Green Bears Podcast. That is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And we are here for another edition of the Green Bears Podcast. Welcome back, AJ. Glad to see you here with us again, sir. Thank you, sir. Good to be back after that um, little vacation with the wife. Man. But... Yeah, man. And you were over and away across the pond, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a really, really awesome experience. Yeah, De- oh, yeah. definitely enjoyed it. Definitely that enjoyed is, it. That is great, man. I am glad to hear that you guys had a fantastic time, and we are very glad to have you back with us again. And of course, you know, time is a, a key component of today's conversation because it's almost time for the most controversial World Cup tournament in my lifetime. <laughs> the FIFA World Cup is about to kick off in Qatar and 32 nations are hopeful of bringing home the trophy and establishing themselves as the best in the world for the next four years. Many multi-time champions are taking part in this year's edition of the tournament with defending champions and bearers of two stars, France, looking to avoid surrendering of their title to the hopefuls that include the only five-star champions, Brazil. Today, we are going to preview the group stage of the cup. But before that, as always, we'll go off the rip with our four-down territory. So, AJ... As always, you know, we go on first down to the biggest winner of the weekend. And who is the biggest winner of the weekend for you? So, you know, I'm usually into just like trying to pick one name, mainly for the sake of being succinct and not you know, taking up too many options off of everyone else's um, plate. But I had to go with two today and for two completely different reasons. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. So firstly, I think the most obvious one for me is the Vikings, right? Um, no, this is in this game. I didn't even get to see this game because I was on vacation. So I had other matters to attend, which mm-hmm. to attend, but did get to see some highlights and whatnot. And that was clearly an incredible game. And I'm pretty sure like even the highlights I saw can't do justice to having been able to see the game in real time. Um, but just the way it finished, and yeah, the Vikings being able to eco the win. And it's funny because people have been talking about the Eagles all season and the fact that the Eagles are were unbeaten and they just suffered the first loss. I'm pretty sure that'll come up at some point later. You realize that the Vikings actually have the same record as the Eagles? The Vikings are eight and one as well. They've lost one game and they've beat, in my estimation, more better, I should say, teams better uh, potential playoff caliber teams. This is one of them. This was a lot of people's favorite to win the AFC. And look at at what happened. Um, So I definitely have to say the Vikings because they keep pushing for this. Week after week, we have to really consider them as one of the best teams in the NFC, in the league. And they, they are in control of their destiny at this point to take the top spot in the NFC. Secondly, secondly, and this one is a bit off of the, uh, in terms of uh, my second biggest winner. This is off of that same mark. So it's not in the same vein as the Vikings, but I have to say the Chargers. <laughs> the Chargers are not good this year. They're like, they're not, they're, they're pretty much an average. Well, I guess average is good. 
but they're an average team, basically. There's a lot going on with the organization. I've told you before, Ken, I do not trust Brandon Staley. Um, I also do believe that Justin Herbert is playing injured, at, although I don't want to make excuses for him. But there's a lot going on with this team. They're not winning games. And, and, and don't get me wrong, after that, after week 10, like losing to um, the 49ers is actually not, like there's no shame in that. Like, 49ers are still a really good team. But it's the fact that the, the Chargers just don't seem to be playing well. They're dropping games. They actually lost some games that they should have won. Yet, they are very much still alive in the playoff picture. They're second in their division because the rest of their division stinks. The AFC generally has been met with a lot of, of inconsistency so far this season. The Chargers are they're sitting just outside because the Patriots are occupying currently the third um, wildcard spot. The, the Chargers have the exact same 5-4 record and are sitting just behind. So they're very still much in this playoff picture, even though they can't seem to win games when it matters. So I, I, especially after the last weekend, I have to say that they're biggest, they are big winners and, and one of the biggest winners as well because they lost, but then the two teams below them in their division, who, as I said, stink, lost as well. And then other teams, it's just so much mediocrity, like, the Chargers, they were supposed to be a better team than this. But as average as they are, they're still in playoff contention. So it's, it's really, really interesting that you would pick a losing team for one of your biggest winners of the weekend. That I did not see coming. <laughs> um, but in relation to the Vikings, I'm glad that you made mention of the Vikings and the Bills. Because that game, I watched that game. That game was mm. absolutely bananas. There is no way that game should have gotten to the point that it did. Mm. But, I mean, you have to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you. How is it that the Vikings could get stopped on fourth down and then the very next play is a defensive touchdown because of a bot snap right on the goal line? That is ridiculous. I mean, sorry, I missed it, but hey. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you had you had <laughs> better fish to fry at that time, um, but I do believe that the Vikings have earned the respect that we have to give them at this point in time. Their only loss of the season is to the Eagles, but the fact is, the or should I say the question that we will always have with the Vikings is what happens when they have to play at nighttime? Because <laughs> when primetime Kirk Cousins turns up, <laughs> it usually does not spell good things for his teams. But I mean, yes, kudos to the Vikings because that definitely was a massive win that nobody really would have expected them to be able to get this weekend. Now, my biggest winner of this week nine is not a team, but it is a player, of course, on a team. Mr. Taylor Heineke, please step to the front of the class. Now, the Washington Commanders were a double-digit underdog heading into this divisional game at Lincoln Financial Field against the, at that time, undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. None of us... In the primetime pick'em, even picked them 
them being the commanders to win this game. But Heineke and his squad, they found a way. They monopolized possession and kept the ball at a ratio of over 2 to 1. As far as I remember, the Eagles had possession for the like 18 minutes and 13, 30 odd seconds. They turned the Eagles over three times, which was the same amount that they turned the ball over all season. But with the potential return of Carson Wentz looming because he is eligible to be activated off of injured reserve this week, Heineke put in a calm and assured performance that gave the team what it needed to win. The play of the night for him was when the ball got snapped over his head and he ran a good 20 yards back, escaped the pocket, and threw the ball out of bounds to prevent this huge loss. Heineke, he finds a way to win games and he's over 500 as a starter with the Commanders. There is no guarantee, but I believe that Heineke did enough to hold this job for at least the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. That is that is fair, and I, I just want to make note just one thing really quickly because I have I have no qualms with that. That's a, a very good response. You remember the same thing I was telling you a few weeks back about the Eagles being able to being unable to score in a, or or in having difficulty half. scoring in the second half and being unable essentially to score in the third quarter. This is another scoreless third quarter for them, Ken. I told you this is this <laughs> that was not a fluke. That this thing is a trend with them, but. We'll see how, how they progress in the weeks to come. Yeah, I mean, like the Eagles and this this third quarter malaise, or second half malaise that they, they suffer in every game, is almost like they've they are so accustomed to getting up big in the second in, in the second quarter that they just figure that they can coast for the rest of the game. But yesterday they had to play from behind mm-hmm. and they couldn't come back. So that is something that they will have to be concerned about moving forward. All right. So second down, biggest loser of the weekend is who? My home city. My home <laughs> city, the Cowboys. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? That was not a game the Cowboys should be losing. And I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to just call it an off night. That is not a game you should be losing at this stage. Um, especially with what you're trying to achieve, especially with the state of the, of the division, especially with the fact that the NFC, as I mentioned in my, in my previous um, point, the NFC seems to have the, the more consistent and, and probably, I, I would say, probably the, the better of the Super Bowl contenders. You, you can't afford to be falling behind. And yes, it, we're still talking about Aaron Rodgers, I get it, and the Packers and what he can do, but these they have not been good they haven't been good they're not even leading the division anymore i there's there's no way that the cowboys should have dropped this game so the game ended up in in overtime right and then they lost by a field goal but i still it's just still not good enough to me this is like these are the types of games you should be winning if if you're if you want to be in in the conversation for a super bowl contender so i think the dallas are the biggest losers also because in addition to that point, also because this kind of like puts them on the back foot with regards to like controlling the, their own destiny um, for the playoffs going forward. Okay, so that is a solid, solid selection. Omar Clark Marzahi agrees with you that the Cowboys and Dak 
definitely would be up there for the biggest losers this weekend. My pick for biggest loser this weekend, however, is another team. Unfortunately, it's my team. It is my New Orleans Saints. For all that went right shutting out the Raiders, it went wrong at the Acrisure Stadium, formerly known as Heinz Field. Now, while I don't put this entire loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Andy Dalton, he does have to wear a lot of it. Andy Dalton and Pete Carmichael did a poor job of getting their best offensive weapon, Alvin Kamara, involved in the game. Kamara had eight rushes and four targets all game long. It was so bad, AJ, that at one point in time, the commentators even said that they needed to get Taysom Hill more touches. Taysom Hill! <laughs> you have Alvin Kamara on the field, but we're talking about Taysom Hill. Okay, I won't say anything more about that. Now, our defense couldn't stop Pittsburgh's run game, and our offensive line allowed Derek Watt and Cam Hayward to wreck our offensive game plan. Now, while the Super Bowl is in February, we just had the suck bowl, and the Saints have won the right to be the more sucky team. It especially hurts that now we would currently have the fourth overall pick in the 2023 draft, except we traded away that pick to move up in the draft to get Chris Olave, who, yes, he is a good player, but when you look at our current offensive rating and standings both in our group, when I say group, I'm talking about our division, and in the NFC, it would suggest that Olave was not our biggest need. There's nothing, there's nothing to celebrate right now down in Nola. Okay, moving on. Least impressive bit. <laughs> Who guys are least impressive in this week? Uh, Jeff Saturday's boys, the Saturday Colts. Because let me let me be let me be blunt. I don't think that win says anything about the Colts or Jeff Saturday's project after one game. I don't think the Colts are a much better team because of it. I don't think this is necessarily going to spark a resurgence. I mean, we never know. You never know, right? But this win says a hundred percent more about the Raiders and it does the Colts. Uh, I, there was a point in time in the season where I was saying like the Raiders were bad, but they weren't completely out of it. Like obviously by at this point, they are completely out of contention for anything, but the Raiders are arguably the worst football team in the NFL right now. They're arguably the worst team. I mean, at least with the Bears, you can see that there is a little progression happening with Justin Fields being like coming of age in a sense. The Lions are still the Lions. Like at least they started off the season well, Defensively, they're still inept, but even they put up a win. But, Ken, the Raiders are absolutely terrible, and they have no reason to be terrible. Uh, so, it, it even though the Colts beat them by less than a score, and, and that's the thing, too. The Raiders are losing so many of these close games. But, again, this is just another loss in that fashion. So, it says more about them. I'm not convinced with the Colts after, by anything, uh, in, in, in any way, shape, or form after this win. Least least uh, impressive win of a while for me. <laughs> well, I mean, the, there is the argument that can be made that clearly, you know, being a head coach in the NFL really can't be that hard if Jeff Saturday could turn up with absolutely no experience and win, <laughs> and win his very first game. Um, but, you know, then there's always the other side of it, which is, you know, we look at Nathaniel Can't Hack It over here in Denver, who also struggles with winning games against you know 
not having experience was probably the best experience of all. However, my pick for the least least impressive win this week actually went to the least impressive game of the weekend, in my opinion. And that was the Arizona Cardinals over the Los Angeles Rams. The Cardinals can't even tank properly. Going into this game, missing their quarterback against a Rams team that was also missing their quarterback. Now, the Rams were, were woeful on the day. I mean, the Rams have been woeful for most of the season, but they were especially woeful on the day. But not only 17 points against one of the more poorest defenses in the league. Cooper Cup, their all-star, all-pro, all-world, all-universe wide receiver, had three receptions for minus one yard. And is now headed to IR because he has an ankle injury that needs to be worked on. The whole game was underwhelming. As you can imagine with two teams that were three and five coming in, but no, the defending champion Los Angeles Rams are last in their division. So yeah, yeah if if the if the um the Saints played the sub ball, this was just the underwhelming ball. <laughs> yeah, right? like I told you, I remember if that game put me completely off of it. Fantasy wise, but anyhow. <laughs> yes, because you unfortunately did not realize that both quarterbacks are out. And those In a two QB missed... league, I have Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray as my starters, with my third option off the bench being Deshaun Watson. So, <laughs> Who is eligible to return next week? Is next after week, the yeah, Right, right. <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> yep, so now the biggest surprise, AJ. Who is who had the biggest surprise for you this weekend? Well, you kind of already talked about it, but it's it's the commanders for me, right? But not just on the face of it, not just because they won. It was a manner in which they won. Um, so, I mean, let's be honest. We knew that an Eagles loss was coming at some point. I knew it. This Eagles team was not that good enough to go an entire season unbeaten. I know that much. Um, I, I had already told you my hesitation with the Eagles, and I mentioned it. Uh, earlier once again right so so the big the big surprise as i said is is just the manner in which they the the eagles lost this game because you mentioned how um the commanders basically controlled the game clock and that like, it was a complete demolition it was a completely lopsided game um and yeah the, what surprised me the most is that i predicted that the eagles were going to lose last week because it was a short week right and I was like, all right, you know, the Texans are going to come out this week. It, it, Eagles might be a little too complacent, and then the Texans will, you know, they'll, they'll push them, push, push over the line. The Eagles ended up getting it done. But you mean from a week when we played in a short week to then having this much um, time off? Because they played in the Thursday of week nine to then the Monday, and they just looked completely out of it. I, I did not expect to see that from them. I would have, I, you know, I didn't make my selections for this week, but I, I obviously would have been choosing the Eagles to win this game at home, coming off of such a long, uh, long rest. It, it just, and, and, and not even, the game wasn't even close, Ken. Never mind the score came from, like, them trying to do, the, the final score that is came from them trying to do laterals on the last play of the game, and then, you know, just ended up turning over the ball. It's an, an innocuous um touchdown but the reality is the scoreline doesn't even is not even bad compared to how the game flow was it the <laughs> eagle the, the commanders basically deserved that level of victory honestly 
So now, now that you mentioned the commanders, uh, well, and they dismantled the Eagles. The Eagles man has landed, Mr. Dale Haynes. He says, I am in. And Esau Simpson, he also said, big up to the men, big up to you as well. Esau, glad to have you. Now, I I already talked about the Taylor Heineke being the biggest winner of the weekend. But I just wanted to mention one thing here at this point in time with you and Dale both saying that the biggest surprise has to be the commanders, right? Mm-hmm. I almost didn't watch that game because <laughs> I expected that game to be a blow. Dale Haynes messaged me on WhatsApp and said, you have to watch this game because the Eagles are chasing perfection. I said, okay, sure. I have something to do here on the computer, so I'll, I'll just keep it on as a you no know, streaming while I'm doing what I have to do. And lo and behold, the Eagles were getting skin up from the first quarter. And I was like, wait a second. So this game is actually going to be this game is actually going to be good. So I'll I'll stay. I'll pay attention. And I watched it all the way. I even watched Sports Center after AJ. That will tell you. I was so plugged in <laughs> after this game. All right, but my biggest surprise of the week was someone that you touched on earlier. The Packers mm. downing the Cowboys in overtime. Now, mm. similar to you and the Commanders, when I spoke about them earlier, I'm looking at it from a slightly different angle. Mike McCarthy, first off, decided to pick the day he went back to Lambeau Field to remind everyone why the Packers decided to fire him. But the surprise wasn't that he failed to get the job done in this game because you know how much I hold Mike McCarthy in high esteem. But the Packers offense and Aaron Rodgers especially had a rapport of a rookie, sorry, a rookie wide receiver. Not a rookie. This is not Chewy. This is not <laughs> Christian Watson went for over 100 yards for the first time in his career. And of his four receptions, three were touchdowns including a bomb down the sideline that looked identical to the drop he had on the first play in week one. Rodgers spent time trying to get the ball to his young receiver as eight of the 20 targets he had went Watson's way. If this is a set of things to come, Christian Watson can be someone to watch for the rest of this year. All right, AJ, so that was for down territory and now something that we haven't done in a while is going to make a return that's what he said a segment that takes a look at something green beach worthy from the week's news cycle and on sunday i mean we would have had to talk about this it's a shame that you know it happened now but you know as i said time is one of the key features of this week's episode and the timing of this statement by Cristiano Ronaldo, well, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't touch on it, right? Mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo has had a sit down with Pierce Morgan to tell what he considers to be his side of the story. Unfortunately for us, the Green Bridge podcast, the entire 90-minute interview does not drop until tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. But Mr. Sierra 7 He's had some harsh and highly critical words for Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag, former interim manager Ralph Ragnick, former teammates Wayne Rooney and Gary Neville, and we know it doesn't end there. He said that the club has betrayed him 
and is trying to force him out. They didn't believe him when his daughter was sick, causing him to miss some of the preseason. He said that he hasn't spoken to the Glazers, who are the owners of Manchester United. And all of what I'm putting is only from the trailers of this interview. Now, the joke is that Ronaldo doesn't play 90 minutes for United, but would do 90 minutes with Pierce. So, that's what he said, AJ. So, what do you have to say about what he said? First of all, I must, I, I can't begin my soliloquy until I mention the fact that I think Piers Morgan is a loathsome individual. I can't stand mm -hmm. the best bone in this man's body, right? And, and I don't hate him as an individual. I mean, in terms of him being a personality. I don't know him personally, so I want to make that distinction. As a personality, a TV personality, whatever it is, this man is just, he's just one of the most annoying characters, right? That being said, even in this, even in this this interview, he he was annoying from the clips that I saw. Like he was asking questions and would not let the man answer, and, and kind of put words in his mouth and stuff. But anyhow, um, so that's one thing. I just feel like he picked around. And this man is an Arsenal fan, you know. Uh, with regards to what Ronaldo said, the. The most contentious part about all of this might be the timing of it, right? Um, because obviously, like, the season itself is still going on. But the thing is, I, 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 I'm, not even ups I'm not even fully upset with Ronaldo for doing it because I think there has been an agenda against him. And it, it's not just down to, to playing time, but I think how he has been treated and I like there. There seems to be a narrative that United as a club is trying to control when it comes to him. And obviously, like most United fans now are at the point where it's like, yeah, they want him out because he's the disturbance in the dressing room and at least the ones that, that I've interacted with. And, and based on the portrayal of him that you get from the media, it, it would seem that way. And so I can't blame a man for wanting to tell his side of the story. And in addition, when I see professional athletes doing these kinds of things the only thing that comes to my mind is okay well they have made their mind up that they no longer want to be attached to this organization clearly cr7 wants out of united and this is like you don't want to be playing these these half stepping games and that kind of thing is like, all right you know what i'm done from here i am done i want to be out so, so this, this this has to be some kind of plea to i guess someone else or or, or it, it is some kind of, of, of um, scheme to make them mutually like uh, cancel his contract or whatever the case is. But he's trying to get out, and this is like the best way to do it. Now, granted, I wouldn't want to start my club, but it ain't <laughs> happening at my club. It ain't happening at my club. So I, I, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. I, look, I can't blame CR because, like I said, there's been a lot that's been happening behind the scenes. And everything you hear from the media would make you think that CR is, that Ronaldo is like the, the, the main culprit in all of this and that there's nothing. I mean, he may have even gotten personal with some of the things he said, because I did see some excerpts of things that he said that um, probably hasn't, haven't been released or whatever. But I, I <sighs> it says, this is the game of chess. <laughs> and 
I, I don't know if CR7 is winning overall. He might be winning the battle against United. But in terms of the war, I don't know how this looks with regards to you trying to find a new home, though. Um, but I, I, he's, it's, he's clearly gotten to a point of frustration, and he, he, want, he wants out. Yep. yep. Um, Dale agrees with you. He says, true. CR7 is done. He wants out. <sighs> so, oh boy, AJ. Like you, first, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Pierce Morgan. Um, yes, Pierce Morgan, because he, he does not always purport himself in the best manner. And as one who shares the same affiliation for a club that I do, it it often grinds my gears, especially when he, you know, he seems to have this love affair with Cristiano. Because there was another interview that Cristiano did. Um, I think this is when he was leaving Juventus that he he gave to Pierce. Apparently, that's mm. his, that's his buddy. You know, that's the day. He's going to give the exclusives to, you know, kind of like how when um, Rachel Nichols was still at ESPN and apparently she and Jimmy Butler were very, very close. But that that could be that could be another kind of story. So I know I've bought it together. <laughs> no, with regard to Cristiano Ronaldo, he has never been one of my favorite players. Never. I found his gesticulations and antics to be gritting and too self-serving. He doesn't appear to be a good teammate because of how he reacts when he doesn't get the ball. And he often doesn't seem very happy when another teammate gets the goal if he wasn't the one to supply the assist. Especially if he thought that he was in a better position to shoot. We've seen times where, you know, he runs over with a smile after and congratulates people, but he's... You know, he was showing, hey, give me the ball. I'm in this spot. That demands that I get the ball. <sighs> this interview feels very on brand for Cristiano. He says that the club is trying to force him out. But he was trying to get out before the season started for Champions League club. This is when Ten Hag had not even walked in the door yet. He was saying, I want out. Bayern was rumored to be interested, but no bid materialized. Chelsea was rumored, but United wouldn't have sanctioned it anyway, and Tuchel said, no thanks. Atletico were closest, but the fans rejected the potential transfer due to his history with their most hated rivals, Real Madrid, and that fell apart. His agent, Jorge Mendes, has tried his best <laughs> to get him a move, but almost Everyone said no, but the club is the one that's trying to force him out. Okay. He said in the interview that he has no respect for Ten Hag because Ten Hag has no respect for him. Yet he's out on the team twice before games have finished and Ten Hag still has made him captain even after the second indiscretion. And Dale said that, you know, his time was poor, or his timing was poor, and that Man United had gotten a big result. And yes, they had gotten a big result. They were feeling good. They were riding high 
coming off of that last gasp win this weekend. And they were saying, well, the manager was saying, you know, the club is together. We're all moving in the same direction, ownership, management, players, everything. Apparently, he needed to ask Cristiano if he felt the same way. Ronaldo is trying, I agree with both you and Dil, he is trying to make sure he is out of United by any means necessary. The man has gone scorched earth. The man is burning everything flat and then grinding up the ashes to make sure that <laughs> he gets out of there. And now the club have little option but to move him out as soon as possible. I get. I mean, I do get it, and I, I get where you're coming from. I I just think that there, there is more that isn't being let on, obviously by the club, and that, I mean, you know, it usually it's, it's it's a lot easier for the club to control a narrative and have the media back that narrative up, and then to the fans, it always seems like, well, yeah, the players are one that this and that, but. A lot. Of, uh, there are many times when it is the club as well, and I just feel like there's a lot more because I don't see how even it, had he not done this interview, I still don't see a way that CR was going to move forward with this club beyond like this season, right? So I feel like this doing this, like do him doing this, is it just is just him at a point of frustration. And I'm not saying he's he was right for every single thing. I, there, there were certain situations he possibly could have handled better, especially like the, the walking off and like possibly refusing to come on. I think I still, I still don't like that. I still personally don't like that. But there's a lot more to this story, though. As, as, as is usually the case, there's a lot more to this story. But like, as, and again, as is the norm, this is chess. It's chess. Well, I mean, to be fair to all parties involved. The, we have not been able to see the entire interview. The interview drops tomorrow, and unfortunately, True. our media credentials don't get us early access. So <laughs> we will we will wait and we will see everything that he has said in this. But like I said, it just feels on brand for what I have seen of Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo through his entire career. And that he is saying that he's being forced out. The club has a lot of evidence to suggest otherwise. And that he's the one that's trying to do the forcing out. So that's what he said. And once we have heard the entirety of what he said, we'll be right back here to talk about it. Because I'm sure that it will definitely be worth talking about. I will have my notepad ready when that is going on. So AJ, so now mm -hmm. it is time for that which it is almost time. It is time for <laughs> us to move on to our World Cup discussion. Which I am sure, for many, just like me, we cannot wait for the games to begin. This cup's location, Qatar, has been hotly debated and criticized in many quarters. Firstly, for being too hot to hold the tournament in the summer as it would normally be. Initially, thank you, we heard of air-conditioned stadia. But when that proved too expensive for one of the richest nations in the world, they lobbied and had the tournament moved to the winter, disrupting two full years of football scheduling. Qatar is a nation of Islam, 
with strict laws of conduct where alcohol consumption, extramarital sexual relations and all matters LGBTQIA plus are illegal. This is a mess of FIFA's construction, but Seth Blatter, disgraced former president of FIFA, who is currently subject to a lifetime ban, has admitted that Qatar shouldn't have been given the privilege to host the tournament. I guess it's hard to spend the bribe money from prison, allegedly. So, AJ, what do you feel about all of the drama surrounding this tournament? I'm, I feel like this should have been done so long ago. The World Cup, that is. I don't know why we here in November about to do a World Cup preview. <laughs> so, Seth Blatter, come out and admit that no. Entire world know that. Entire world knows that. From the time it was announced, we said, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. I, I feel about it. It's just, I don't know. I feel exasperation. That's what I feel. I, 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 Seth Blatter is a nuisance. <laughs> Seth Blatter is a nuisance. That's pretty much what it is. And and at the end of the day, I I I'm I'm just even hoping that the the on-field product itself is actually good because at this stage of the season, it I, it 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 has already affected some players like club-wise, like in terms of like, like just getting in the in the mentality for a World Cup during the season. You could tell that certain players were being a little like um conservative with their bodies and whatnot the ones who may have been like first timers or who are first timers and what as opposed to like during the summer it's not that they won't be but you know there's there's less there's still less caution to the wind there because you still need to finish your club season strong in this case man had to go back and play club football right in 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 the middle of the season man it's this is just so much this is just so much and as you said it, it's thrown off so so much like and I, I never liked the decision from the beginning, and to hear Seth Blatter now come out and say this in hindsight, like he's he, he's another one that's annoying. Spoke, spoke about some despicably annoying characters tonight, though. <laughs> it is true, though. But I mean, I I could not when I saw that he said it, I was like, but where does he put his mouth to make such statements? No, because it is mainly your fault, sir, that we are found in this situation, like. There's alleged bribery that occurred heading up to the vote for the tournament. I have to call it alleged because I have not seen any proof of such and nobody is suing me because I really don't have any money. So there was alleged bribery heading up to the vote. And then there was alleged bribery after the vote because when they recognized, as I said in my intro to this, this um, segment, that it was too hot. It was going to be too hot to play because Qatar is a desert. But we were all told, yeah, we have enough money to um, build these air-conditioned stadia. And then once, you know, everyone would still be able to play the, the workout at a normal time. And then they came back and said, oh, wait, no, actually, it is not cost-effective to do this. We're going to have to move it to the winter. And by this time, FIFA had already hitched their, you know, hitched their horses to this wagon and couldn't say no. Very similar to what happened in the elections here in the U.S. Not so long ago, but you know, you were hearing that certain people were going to pay to build a wall. And then it turned out that that was going to actually fall to the American public. But again, that is neither here nor there. But I'm not even going any further on this one. I 
think I pretty much outlined how I felt about this when I when I gave my intro on this whole workout. But the games are about to start. So what we're going to do today, AJ, is that we're going to go group by group. We're going to look at each group and we're going to decide who we think is going to win the group, who's going to be a runner up for the group. And then as the tournament progresses, we shall be back to discuss um, and pick the, the following rounds. Now, this group stage starts on Sunday coming and it runs until the 2nd of December. For those of us in the mountain time zone, games will range from 3 a.m. to 12 noon. So guess who's missing all of those very early games? <laughs> that would be me. And as I said, we'll go through group by group to make our picks for the group winner and runner-up. Mm -hmm. Also, before we get to that discussion, we are going to confirm for everyone that the World Cup Knockout Bracket Challenge, we did mention this to you guys when we were discussing the playoff bracket challenge with the nfl that we were going to have one it is official that we are having a bracket challenge we will provide the official bracket in the coming days and we are working on prizes for those of you in barbados we can confirm that stansfeld scott has agreed to sponsor a winner's prize and we say thank you very much to mr ricky nurse a member of our Green Beige family for agreeing to provide us with a price. We will continue to update you with prizes information as we come closer and closer to the end. So AJ, so let's get into it. And shout out to Wade Mars Deverne, one of my former co-workers at Bristol West. He has joined us tonight. Glad to have you, Wade. It's been a while. So, World Cup preview. Group A. Group A comprises Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. So, AJ, how do you see this group going? Uh, I'll give it to the Netherlands. The group stage, Bad Jones. These men, <laughs> I love to win a group stage, man, but um, <laughs> you saw, you saw, please stay out. Please keep your name out your mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it. <laughs> <laughs> I give the group win to the Netherlands. <laughs> give the group win to the Netherlands. Mainly because I, I obviously I'm not going to... i never seen Qatar play football, so I'm, I, I don't know anything about them. And then the I do not trust... They should not even be in this tournament. But anyhow... I, I don't trust Ecuador when it comes to the sport either. I They, they always seem to, to eke out a way to, to qualify for the World Cup. And then... Have you ever, you ever watched these men play football? It is, it's so unattractive. It, it I, and 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 just not efficient. So I'm obviously gonna say Netherlands and Senegal. Senegal are missing a, a big, big X factor, but I still think their team is good enough to come second place in this group. But I'll say Netherlands for the win before they eventually get knocked out in the group, in the round of whatever. I'll I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. So, so for those of you who are listening, wherever you're listening, well, first off, thank you for joining us as always. Um, Esau said that he wants a wig that looks like AJ's hair and beard if he wins the bracket challenge. Um, is, it, is Esau in Grenada? Esau is in New York. Esau oh, he's in New York. York. He's okay, in New York, so yeah. we'll have to find um, somebody over there that does um, wigs and facial um, wigs so that, that we can get sense. him. 
<laughs> so that we can get him um, a hair and beard like you, as he's saying. No, um, when I look at this group, as you said, Qatar, who is Qatar? What is Qatar? Qatar does not deserve any place in the world except for the fact that they are hosting. And as a result, they will get some games, but they will only get three games. They will be out in short order. And so it falls between Ecuador and Senegal. Senegal are the reigning AFCON champions. Ecuador, they have earned this spot because you don't get into the World Cup from, from Comibol without earning your spot. But I do not see them as having the quality necessary to be able to overtake Senegal. The Netherlands are going to win this group hands down. They probably are going to have either um, seven or nine points. But then I think that Senegal is going to be the one to overtake Ecuador. Qatar is finishing with zero points. And probably one of those Saudi Arabia goal differences of minus <laughs> 100 or something. All right, so that was Group A. So Group B definitely has a little bit more intrigue here than Group A. England, Iran, the USA, and the Wales. How do you see this one, Corey? This is an, uh, uh, another group stage bully. I'll, I'll give this to England, the C's for this group, um, just mainly because I don't trust any of the other teams to be that much better than them, which is usually the case in World Cup group stages. Um, so I'll give England the group win. <laughs> I hope they don't send me back for this, but I don't see the USA getting out of this group. I think Wales <laughs> take the second spot. I think Wales take the second spot. Um, the US, I mean, because of history, there's an interest in the USA-Iran match, but I think that those are the two teams exiting this World Cup in this group stage. The last, I think actually the last time they played was in World Cup 98. That was when there was a lot more going on in them in terms of like strife and war. And if I remember correctly, I think Iran won the game and the USA ended up exiting that World Cup in 32nd position. Now, I'm not saying this is bound to happen again, but <laughs> history does repeat itself sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like you, I believe that England is going to win this group. However, I don't think that England's win of this group is going to be as comprehensive as what I just gave for the Netherlands. I believe that England are probably going to have like six or seven points to win the group. It was really hard for me though to pick the team that doesn't come second because Wales can upset England. I believe that mm -hmm. they can do it. And if they upset England, then they have the potential to also upset the United States. The United States is actually not a bad team. They're not a great team, but they're not a bad team. We have some bad teams like Qatar, but the US are definitely not that. I actually, AJ, I have gone different from you. I have the U.S. to progress out of this group in second place. I do not have Wales getting out of the group. You know, the Wales, are very, the Wales team is very dependent on Gareth Bale. And Gareth Bale has proven himself to be as, as sturdy as an Eclipse biscuit that has been soaking in some hot chocolate for an hour. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he breaks down. And is he going to be able to last long enough in this tournament to get them out of the group stage? 
I really can't say. And then, you know, the other um, Welsh wizard, Aaron Ramsey, he hasn't been playing much proper football for a while. So that, I, I don't see the Wales team having the quality necessary to progress. Not, not, not from this group. If there was, let's say it was England, Iran, Wales, and Qatar, then Wales. <laughs> But um, you have a lot more faith in the USA than I do. I'll I'll tell you that much. I feel like if I'm trying to pick the best of a bad bunch, and I'll give that to the US over over Wales, but of course, Iran is going to come last. All right, so Group C. Group C is Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Ah, Omar, he's showing you up. All right, so AJ, Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. How do you see this one? Well, yeah, Argentina. I have to say Argentina to win the group. I, I, I think it'll be relatively easy to, um, relatively. Uh, second place. No, I have Mexico. I have Mexico to actually come second in this group and make it out of the group. I, I don't think they've been very impressive as of recently but this goes back to a conversation that i have had with some with with a close friend uh, even up to a few years ago i have no faith in poland when it comes to, to international tournaments they are another team that flatters to deceive in my opinion they always do well in these group stages like Lewandowski will score a bunch of goals in the group in um like Quite qualification right? tournaments and whatnot and then they, again, he's, he, you can't find him in a big tournament. And outside of him, there's not much happening with that team. This is one of those situations, again, where I think they, you should see the group that they were in. Of course, they're going to make the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't have any faith in them as, as an entire unit to pull it out of this group. I, I, I think they could actually lose that game to Mexico. And that would be the deciding factor because I don't see any of these teams beating Argentina, barring like Argentina winning the first two games and already qualifying and then resting some players. I think this is Argentina's group. And I already told you from before, and I will say it here, I have them as my favorites to win this World Cup, as Argentina, of course. But we'll get, I'll, we could get into that as, a, as the tournament progresses. I just wanted to tell that to a Brazilian. Yeah, because you, know you know how I'm going to respond. <laughs> before I give my picks, nothing will make me happier than for Argentina to be on the first flight home. First flight back to Buenos Aires. Go home. Go home. I would love for them to finish bottom of this group. I mean, it would would break the heart of a lot of the Messi fans. But, I mean, I like Messi. I like Messi, and I have always said this. I would love Messi to win any international tournament that Brazil is not a part of. Unfortunately for him, he came up against Brazil in every single one, and I was most upset that we allowed him to win a Copa America. Now he beat us in the final. But anyhow, that's enough of of me ranting where that is concerned. I also have Argentina to win this group because as much as I would like them to be out, I'm not going to come on record and say that they're going to get knocked out in the first round in a group that looks like this. So, Argentina probably is going to progress first place, nine points, seven points. They're going to dominate this group. Um, 
Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has been a whipping boy for every World Cup that they've been in. I hold them responsible for Miroslav Klose being the um, record holder for um, all-time World Cup goals because they shipped four to him. And now everybody's talking like if he's some great goal scorer when he's absolutely dreadful. I'm getting emotional again, so I'll just move on. Um, Mexico, I believe that Mexico is a better team than the U.S., even though, you know, every time there are these uh, CONCACAF competitions, mm-hmm. it always comes down to U.S. and Mexico. I would, I have personally been saying that I believe that the U.S. and Mexico should be playing in Commonwealth and let the Caribbean countries and such American countries fight out in CONCACAF because with the two of them there, nobody else can really get through. But that's a conversation for another day. I believe that Mexico is also going to be better than Poland because Poland... They look great in qualifying, like you said. And then when they get into the tournament, we have all of these expectations for Lewandowski. And they come up against opposition. That game plan to take him out of the game. And nobody else then steps up to do anything. So then... They time and time again. Yep. So now, AJ, we go over by your boys. Group D. Your Frenchmen, the Australians. Denmark and Tunisia. Night in Tunisia, and one of those countries that seems to send all of their good players to play for you. So, <laughs> who comes out of Group D? Socceroos in this group. All right, so France is going to make it out of this group. I have to say that. As a, as a Frenchman, I can't sit here in good faith and say that I see my team exiting this group. Not with Tunisia and Australia. Like, we should not be. We should not be. Realistically, right? I actually have asterisks and asterisks next to this group because asterisks. <laughs> sorry, not asterisk. Asterisk. Because I honestly feel like that Denmark can win this group. I want France to win it. I want us to win it. <laughs> Obviously, it'll bode better for us going forward. But, <laughs> but I honestly feel like Denmark can win this group. We've had to play them recently enough, if I recall. And like France just hasn't been good. And, and like I've said to you and some others, I, I think that has a lot to do with Deschamps trying to find a new formula with so many players injured, right? And I don't, th- I still, I'm not sure if he's found that. And injuries keep piling up. Just today, we saw that Nkunku is about to miss the World Cup because of an injury he sustained in training today. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think he was a starter, but still, it's just. Injuries and and even to the key players, the key players from the last World Cup are out injured. And it, it, it is going to be a lot. So I think that Denmark, who already have a, a little bit of a chemistry built, they're they are a good a good team, a good nation, footballing wise. I think they could actually take the group. And, and if I remember correctly, I think Denmark was in our group the last time we in two thousand two when we exited as reigning champs. Pretty sure we lost to Denmark or drew with Denmark or something. That was the only point we got. Lost to Senegal and someone else. Yeah. I don't you're think history will repeat itself. You're uh, about great memories for me. Thank you. I, yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think we may have some trouble against Denmark, which is why I think they can take the group. But we have to be beating Tunisia and Australia. And I'm going to say we will. I, I think it could be. Yeah, and they, yeah, correct, Omar. There's the Benzema thing as well. I'm hoping that that is not as bad because 
If it is, I throw it in the towel from early, though. If Benzema don't, I can throw it towel from a lot earlier than I expected to. But asterisk aside, like, I don't know. I want I want France to win, but I think Denmark. I'm I'm, I'm leaning more towards this is a head versus heart thing. My heart says France. My head says Denmark in terms of winning the group. But those two nations are the two I have coming out of this group: France and Denmark. So I have the same. I have Denmark and France coming out of the group, but I have them in that order. I have Denmark winning this group and France to come second, because your midfield right now is very unsettled. We we don't know who is going to be starting in midfield. As you said, in Kunkumosa, he was not going to be a starter because those forward spots are probably, if not definitely, going to go to Mbappe and they're going to go to Benzema if Benzema is fit. And Kunku would have gotten some minutes here and there and he would have been a great guy to bring off the bench because he's in tremendous form, but he is now out for the tournament. No Pogba, no Kante. I really don't see France progressing very far in this tournament, but I do expect them to be able to at least get out of the group stage. But to be honest, I had them struggling with Tunisia for the second spot because I do believe that Tunisia, they've been playing some pretty good football, especially over in AFCON. And in the qualifying stage, you know, like the way whole Africa qualifying goes, is like they have their groups, but it's only the group winner that progresses. You have to earn your spot mm-hmm. to, to move forward in Africa, and they have earned their spot. So I believe that Tunisia could be a dark horse to set the apple carrot and probably not France out. And almost as much as I would love to see Argentina on the first play home, Paris beckons, AJ. Your boys are going home early. All right, Group E. Group E is Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan. How do you see this one going? Germany, Costa Rica, 2006. That was the first game of 2006 World Cup, right? I remember correctly when Philip Lam scored that incredible goal. Um, yeah, Costa Rica gonna lose to Germany again. Um, Japan, as much as I think that they could be a formidable force, I I think they they're unlucky to be drawn in a group with Spain and Germany. So I have Spain and Germany coming out of this group, and in that order, as in second to first, like Germany to win the group. I think Germany gonna bounce back from. The atrocity um, that took place last time. Spain, I'm not 100% convinced that their project is ready to be a dominant force again. So I will say that they finished second to the Germans. Interesting. So, well, um, Omar had asked the question on, on the talk about France. The curse of exiting in the group stage after winning the previous World Cup. Well, I mean, that happens to some countries. It doesn't happen to every country. That hasn't happened to... Boy, it happened to us already. Lightning cannot strike twice in the same place, boy. Well, the good thing is we're playing in Qatar, so it wouldn't exactly be the same place. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so so back to this, you know, um, Germany, I am not not so sold on Germany, to be honest. And the reason is that Germany's forward lane... If they're going into this tournament, uh, banking on Kai Havertz and what's the other guy's name? I used to play at Chelsea. That's gone back to Timo. 
Ah, <laughs> yes, Timo Werner. If they're banking on the two of them to fire them home, that's going to be a problem. Um, Because Werner, Werner has not proven himself to be prolific. He had a couple good seasons uh, in Leipzig, I think it is, that he's playing for. And then when he left there, he clearly left his shooting boots there. And I don't know if he's really found them back yet. So I am not sold on the Germans. I'm equally not quite sold on Spain because if you're going to be telling me that Alvaro Morata is going to be spearheading your attack, that doesn't that doesn't instill me with any confidence whatsoever. However, I don't think that Costa Rica has the quality necessary to get in between the two of them. And like you said, Japan, Japan have been a good team. They've been a very tidy team. They've shown themselves to be you know, decent quality. Is it going to be enough to upset one of the big two? I don't see it. So I also have Spain and Germany to progress from this group, but I have the Spanish to take the group. All right, Group F. Group F, we have Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Oh, this is, you know, this is the group where I'm going to call what I would say is my first upset. I do not think that Croatia gets out of this group. Um, I, they are one team who I think after that World Cup run has been, I, I don't want to say riding a bit of luck. You, don't, you can't ride luck for that long. I'm not discrediting their talent, but I don't believe that the current crop is as good as it seems. And they actually haven't been very exceptional leading up to the World Cup. I know most people, especially based on the last World Cup, would probably have them to get out this group and probably make another run. I don't. I think the upset is in this group. I actually think Morocco is going to get out of this group. It, possibly in the second spot. I, it wouldn't hurt me if they were first either. I, I think Morocco are, are kind of like uh, my little like um, dark horse um, to, to put together a little something. I'll give Belgium because of the talent that they have. That I, I, see, I think they could see uh, this group out enough um, that they can win the group. But I'd say Belgium and Morocco to go through. Our northern neighbors, Canada, oh, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't have Canada to, to do much in this group, especially knowing that um, Davies, Alfonso Davies, mm-hmm. I, I saw that he got hurt. Yeah, in the I last think he's, he's, yeah, he's supposed to be missing, if I, if I recall correctly. Right, so then there's the question of where is the rest of the quality going to come from for Canada to be able to make a run. Mm-hmm. And no, I, I, I have them coming last in this group. I actually do still believe, though, that Croatia has enough to escape this group. It's not going to be easy, but they're going to find a way out. Belgium, Belgium are the bullies in this group, as they are in every group stage. But similar to England's golden generation, um, hmm. this this golden generation of them of of Belgium is is more resembling you no know, a a golden shower than anything else. Um, <laughs> Group G, Group G is where my boys, the Samba boys of Brazil, the only five star generals of the World Cup, along with Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. So AJ, who comes out of Group G? Well, I'm going to pick your Brazilians to win the group 
I should say. Um, no, granted, <laughs> I ain't convinced you're for Len either. That's one of the reasons why I don't have you as my favorites. I mean, Brazil usually go into every single World Cup being like the betting favorite. Um, and, and with good reason, but I am not that fully convinced that y'all are going to go that far. Uh, yeah, there's, there just seems to be a lot of inconsistency with that team. But I think you're good enough to win this group. Second second place in this group for me is is kind of like, is, it could be a toss-up between the other three. I, I, a part of me doesn't want Switzerland to go through because I want Ghana Jacko home, really. Um, <laughs> because I... I, but I think that they do have the potential to go through. I, I don't know if if I see Cameroon doing it this time around. I I don't think Cameroon are a bad team either. But I don't know about them. I actually had Serbia. I actually had Serbia to get out of the group, and I'll explain to you why I didn't put Cameroon coming up shortly. Um, but I think Serbia. I I I don't have that much faith in Switzerland either. I didn't see their, their team, but if they bring Seferovic back to be the striker, well, I know that nothing's going to happen. They're not going to score any goals, so they will have an early exit. Um, so I'll, the, the group could potentially finish up in the order in which it was drawn or possibly flip the, the third and fourth, but I say Brazil and Serbia to go through one and two. Same. Same. I, I will never get here and say that Brazil is going to do anything other than win the group because... <laughs> As you said, Brazil are always a betting favorite whenever the World Cup comes around. And, you know, one of the reasons why that happens is because Brazil is always at the World Cup. We are the only nation that has never missed. And that, you know, I'm glad that that has continued because Brazil, we do have a couple things that we can hold our hat on. That is one. And these five stars are the other. And I'm looking for star number six to come right there but anyhow so yeah brazil definitely to come out of the group as you said the other three teams are they do look pretty even on paper serbia switzerland and cameroon i actually had the Serbs as well to to come out of the group i don't really think switzerland has enough quality to to do it and cameroon they they usually are one of the best african teams they have the best showings in the world cup Mm -hmm. but i don't know enough of them at this point in time to put them above the one of the two european teams all right and finally last group group h portugal ghana uruguay and south korea so let me first say that based on the the construction and makeup of of the the teams in this world cup i did not have a group of death but i actually had this group as my group of life right yeah, because if to me this seems like the group that could be most evenly matched. All for all the teams here, like this was the hardest one for me to pick, like an actual group winner and second place because I don't think that there's much disparity between these teams. Whereas other groups, you would think that one team would stand out a bit more. In this case, no. They, it, and usually, like the European teams, you would see how the powerhouses, or then you have like the the South Americans with regards to like Brazil, Argentina. I don't think Uruguay are at a stage now where they are a powerhouse. They kind of basically scraped in, um, in, in terms of like the point total from the Commonwealth um, group. Uh, and obviously, they're 
holding on to some of their more um, storied players to get them through this World Cup once again. I think that ship has already sailed. I don't have them to get out of the group. Korea, we know that they have a, an, an amazing story from a number of years ago. Um, they're always like a powerhouse in 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 the Asian in the Asian uh, confederation. So you can't you, you can never really completely count them out. But I don't think they're going to get out. I actually think it will be Portugal and Ghana to get out of this group, um, and that's part of the reason why I didn't. Cameroon, not to sound bad, but I just, I, I, I had to, you remember I gave it to, to Morocco for Group F. I just didn't see the odds. I don't see the odds of, of three African teams making it out of the group. Because that, that would have been, for me, Morocco, Cameroon, and Ghana. And in terms of having to pick two of those three, which I think is most likely, I think it would be these two. So I, I, I believe that Ghana gets out much as I don't want them to because this boy party can't stay fit so I, <laughs> I I need I need him to come home really so he could rest too but I really feel like they could not just get out of the group but they could win it because as good as Portugal is there, there are still some chinks in their armor and one bad result could obviously you know how a group stage is one one awkward result is the difference between you winning a group and coming second there's no home and away here um I think Portugal could be held on a day. They're still going to get out of the group, but I would not be surprised too much if Ghana were to win. I said, I know it's a tall ass because it don't normally happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ghana won this group and Portugal came second. Whichever way you flip it, I think those are the two teams, Portugal and Ghana, that are going to get out of this group. So, you know, there's a reason why you and I are friends. And part <laughs> of that reason has to be that, you know, we, we agree on a lot of things. Yeah. And we actually agree on this as well. Now, you said this is a group of life. I actually call this a group of death because mm. when you have four teams that are so even, then anything can happen. Well, yeah, and, same concept then. Same concept. Yeah, yeah. Same concept. And yeah. at this point in time, it is this group is going to be probably the most exciting one to watch in terms of the, the, the style of play and everything. I have the Black Stars of Ghana to come first in this group. Because I do not trust the Portuguese. I now first off, the only international trophy that Portugal has been able to obtain during this Cristiano Ronaldo era is that Nations League that nobody can explain even how they got to the point to win it. Because now don't forget they took the Euro off of me, you know. Hmm? Don't forget that they took the Euro off of me. They took the Euro off of you too? 2016, the one right before we won the World Cup, we lost to them in the final. Oh, wow. I forgot that completely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I thought um, he was so... bringing up to hurt me. That's why I was rolling my eyes. I oh, thought he was no, bringing I... up to hurt. No, I, I completely forgot. And I then they won the forgot. Nations League after that, yeah. All right, so they actually have an international trophy of some repute. Because, again, I don't, I don't, I don't know this Nations League. I can't explain it to anybody. But <laughs> did they beat you in the Euro? So, con yeah. congratulations to them. Both Messi and Ronaldo have an international trophy that, you know, we don't have to scratch our hand and try to try to figure out exactly how they came up with it. But <laughs> Portugal, for all of the talent that they have been able to put forward year after year, tournament after tournament, they have not been able to solve their forward line issue 
since Pauletta retired. And no, we're saying that 37-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be your striker. He's going to be one that's expected to score all the goals, but in World Cups, he actually hasn't been very prolific because if he's been scoring at the rate that he's been scoring at for the number of World Cups that he's played, Miroslav Klose will be erased from the history books. And I'm just waiting for somebody to do that, but I'm not going to do that rant again. Um, I don't trust Portugal enough to give them the win in this group. As you said, Uruguay, they are still banking on a lot of older players. Like They're going to bring back Cavani. They're going to continue to trot out the remains of what's, <laughs> what's his name? Oh, boy. Yeah, Suarez? Yes, Suarez. I mean, they're probably, hoping, they're probably hoping that, you know, maybe somebody... Somebody, he has to go handle the ball on the, on the goal line again, or maybe he has to go bite somebody. I don't know what oh, they're hoping to do with Suarez. Um, Uruguay does not have enough quality for me to come out of this group. Human Sound, we don't know what kind of condition he is in right now because, you know, they say he has an orbital fracture, which is the bone around the eye that he got in that Spurs game, I think it was. Um, so he is going to the tournament, but we don't know when we'll see him, if we'll see him at all. So he being their talisman and probably missing most of the group stage, we can't give that to to them either. So I feel most strongly about Ghana. Ghana is going to win this group. Portugal is going to scrape in on second. And then the other two, well, they'll figure out where they'll end. Now, what we'll do, um, we will put our... Um, picks for the group stage. We'll post them on Facebook, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And for you guys who are listening or watching, we would want you to make your selections as well. Tell us who you believe is going to make it out of the group stage. We will we will see all of that. And then once we get to the knockout round, it will be time for the bracket challenge. I'll make a bracket. AJ will make a bracket. We'll see whose bracket gets busted first. Of course, I'm I'm telling you already who I is who I'm picking to win, and that should come to you as no surprise because I've been showing these five stars on my chest all evening long. So wait, I cannot wait for, for that for all to get knocked out and for me to come. I hope I hope it happened on a Monday night too, so I could have the freshness of it for Tuesday when we come here to speak because it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Well, I know what is inevitable is your boys getting knocked out. And chances are you're going to get knocked out well before I lift the trophy. So, when that happens, we will be... I, I'm hoping that, you know, like you said, it happens on a Monday. Or it can even happen on a Tuesday in a midday game. Because if mm. it happens at 3 a.m., I will not see it. I'm telling you. I will not see it. I will have to record it to see it. But, AJ, I think that's a good spot for us to land it. That is Mm -hmm. the end of this episode of the Greenbridge Podcast. We are back next week. As always, we invite you to um, like this video, subscribe to our channel, hit the notification bell so that you can hear and see every time that we are on. For those of you who have joined us tonight like mark thank you so much for joining us um unfortunately you got here just as soon as we were done but you will be able to catch this 
Justin too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Justin. Yes, we 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 are done already. Um, we are finished for the night, but you can always catch us as soon as this is finished. YouTube will get it right there, and I will upload it to the audio platforms. If you can't find us, you're just not looking because we are literally everywhere. So, as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige, and we. We'll see you next time.